I'm Kimberly C. Paul. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Death by Design, and I'm Kimberly Paul. And today, I have a special friend who I met several years ago at Reimagine New York, Suzanne O'Brien. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's so great to be with you here. It is. And you know, I am just so impressed of how and what uh, you're doing. And you have created this doula giver institute but before we get into really the crazy good work that you're doing talk to me about how you came to this field because everyone who is in this field tends to have a story and i i believe you do too yeah i think that's really correct i think this is like you know always motivated by the depths of passion or pain um, and maybe a combination of both so my background first of all thank you so much for allowing me to be here um, I'm a registered nurse by trade, and my background is working in hospice care, which is end-of-life care, and oncology care, which is cancer care. And it was from the very moment that I stepped into that space, I knew that that was my calling, but I also then was well aware immediately that we have so many gaps in all facets surrounding end-of-life First of all, that we don't really even acknowledge it as a as a society and a culture. But then within the medical system, there are so many fragmented gaps of the amount of time we can be with patients. The um, yeah, it's you know, I often will ask this in my uh, courses and in presentations. I'll start out with saying, "Is death a medical experience?" And it really confuses people when I start with that, and I don't mean to, but when I share that it's not. It's a human experience. People go, oh, right. And I think that that kind of tells us what we've um, been doing, unfortunately, last hundred years is we've medicalized it. And with doing that with our fragmented system within medicine, because of the reimbursement structure, um, we've created a really challenging, dysfunctional place with end of life. And it has to change and it can change. You know, girl, you're talking my language. I, I feel know, the I same am. way. I feel I the same you. way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's what's really interesting is, is that this whole doula movement, that's death doula movement that's happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after when I was on tour and I've gone, went, you know, drove to 46 states, there will be some hospices or in some end of life services that are like, oh, yeah, we have death doulas. Mm-hmm. And then there are other hospices and end of life services that they're asking, what is that? What? Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> to set the record straight, yes. let's, let's talk about what is an end of life doula? Okay. So an end of life doula. So doula, if you know the word, it is a Greek word that means non-medical person that gives physical, emotional, and spiritual support to someone else. And if you're familiar with it at all, it was associated with the birthing of babies. And I think that is so incredibly powerful because as that hospice nurse, there are so many similarities in helping somebody to leave this earth as there are in bringing somebody in, but we don't do anything for the opposite 
end. And again, they're holistic in nature. So for me, and this concept for myself was really birthed uh, by doing a volunteer trip in Zimbabwe, Africa in 2012, where I went over, I donated time to be doing hospice work over there. And they taught me just so much, if not everything. What they did was they didn't have a lot of the, you know, the medicine or the equipment, obviously, that we have, and they have a very high end of life. What they were doing was taking a neighbor and training that neighbor to sit with the dying person and their family, like a doula, in my eyes, like a doula. And let me tell you that that holding the space, that being present, that knowing what to expect as the body declines without any of the medicines or with you know equipment worked so well that I thought, my gosh, that's exactly what we need to be doing in America. And um, I credit them with you know this awareness. It's just a beautiful connection. Came back here wrote a piece on it. It got picked up by the London Times. It kind of went all over and everyone sort of said, wait a minute, absolutely. The system is, is you know, limited and broken. And yet this is a really a human experience. We can all do this as an adjunct to the beautiful mainstream hospice services and things that we have available to us. I totally agree with you. And, you know, I believe I mean, I love hospice. Yes, me too. Totally, totally right. Overregulated you know, under-reimbursed. But what it has done is is created this kind of checklist for our clinicians who are in hospice. And they, they, they don't have the time they used to have at the bedside. Right. And I tell you, if you, in my opinion, if a hospice is incorporating a death doula program within their program and organization, I call them an innovative hospice. Absolutely. Because they can... Debt doulas can do so much, but um, what do you see the role of doulas, end-of-life doulas participating in this field? I mean, I have my own theories, but sure. you're the expert here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna like defer it to you. Well, absolutely. I think everyone's, you know, input is so important and that isn't that where like, you know, great ideas come from. However, from again, my space of being a hospice nurse and an oncology nurse. And this is so interesting when we say this, you know, in the oncology unit, I would work sometimes 15 hours and I would always leave the hospital thinking I didn't do enough, that I wasn't in that room enough. And I wasn't in that room enough because people were dying and in crisis because the power of our presence is some of the best medicine we can give to one another. And within the the medical system, the time is not allotted anymore. It's not there. So how do I see the doula? I see the doula as a support system and adjunct to mainstream medical. I teach my doulas and we'll talk about the trainings um, when you're ready, but they have so much medical information. They have disease process, physiology, because I always say that, you know, end of life, we don't ever have enough time in end of life. And we want to anticipate the needs of our, our patients and loved ones because there isn't that kind of time. So to be the eyes and the ears as a doula and to let the hospice team that something's happening, that they need to come back and, and reassess or to be that person holding that space of safety, of clarity, of reinforcing what is happening as a natural part of the end of life experience changes the dynamic completely. So the non-medical support that is not held to the restrictions and limitations of time within the mainstream system to be an adjunct to those main practitioners is the greatest combination I think that we can possibly come up with to solve this and to make great experiences for not only people at end of life, but almost in all facets of healthcare. 
Well, you know, I, I totally respect you because you are a nurse. You're part of, you were part of that medical model and you knew what it took to be that nurse. And you see a definite role for non-medical individuals to be part of not even taking care or have spending or holding space for patients and families. But I also think if, if a hospice does incorporate a doula program, I think the doulas can be a great resource and support for staff. All of that, you know, here's at your hundred percent correct. And the interesting thing is as a hospice nurse, I had about 12 to 14 patients in a County. And I know that if somebody was in that home, like if they happened to have a home health aid that knew end of life, I felt so much better about that patient's care that I knew they'd call me if there was a problem. Most of them do not have that. So you're right, this adjunct. And I just want to go back for a minute about the hospices. It was very funny when I started uh, the trainings and I went to the CEO of my hospice and I went into the head of the hospital in this medical center and pitched my programs. And they said, this is great. We love it. We just can't do it. And I thought, and I said, why? And they said, because we won't get reimbursed for it. So uh. they, couldn't, they couldn't find a way to put it in the reimbursement structure, but everyone agreed how great it was. And again, this is like 15 years ago. Um, and so finally, after, you know, repeatedly hearing this, I said, well, what is the reimbursement? And I remember at the time it was like $166 a day mm -hmm. for, for home hospice. And I said, keep the money. I'll go just teach it at the library for free. And whoever wants to come can come, you know, this was for families and guess what happened? It filled up. It was completely booked. The newspaper picked it up. And then what happened is after that, this was for family caregivers. People would come up a, a select few always and say, I could do this. I can be a doula as a, as a profession. I thought, oh my goodness. And then I built out the professional doula role. So powerful and, and really creative how things happen. Well, you know, I, I think there needs to be a, a study. Um, just like palliative care is, it is reimbursed, but it's not reimbursed to, enough to cover the cost of the program. I believe death doulas, they, they have opportunity to lengthen the hospice stay of a patient by, by meeting with them way before they need hospice as a community resource upon diagnosis. There's so many things, plus uh, staff uh, retention. There's so many indirect things that doulas have and could have an impact yes. on. Uh huh. And do. And, and I believe do because I, yeah, I think people are forgetting that, you know, hospice, yes, it's the end of life, but we have never seen an aging population like we have now in history ever. And there are people that are living for decades that need some form of assistance and care that are not necessarily end of life yet, but that's a big gap that's not being met either. Yeah. yeah. And even those who, you know, of course, you know, this being a hospice nurse, people graduate, they say graduate, but they get better and healthier when you send five individuals into a home. And this was, if they do come out of that hospice program because of the regulations, the sometimes are looked at very conservative, dead, we, deaf doulas could be a way that we don't abandon them into the system. And I, I just feel yeah. very strongly about what the doulas um, and do. could, could be doing and, and are in some places doing it very, very well. But you, you mentioned your institute, the Doula Giver Institute. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about this. Yeah. Um, I love it so much. And again, I think that there are so many beautiful programs and teachers out doing this work. And I love it because we need that. We need it so much. So doula givers is, again, I, I chose that word um, 
because it has doula, which encompasses it and giving. And, you know, I based all of the trainings on almost what not to do, like what didn't go well. And, and here's the thing that people really should understand is that as a hospice nurse, I am supposed to, in the perfect scenario, teach the loved ones how to do the care, the persons at home, which most people want to be. And I come in, assess the patient, do the care plan, but I'm supposed to then teach the loved ones how to do this 24-7 care. And it gets broken down just because I'm only there an hour at a time once a week if the patient's stable. That The model doesn't really work, the fear of death. But that is the concept. So for me to say, oh, I can put a program together now, these are not medical professionals, but I'm going to teach them all this medical terminology and disease processes. Why? Because the nuances of what you know with with progression and decline can be absolutely everything to the comfort and quality of life for that person. And that's what I would teach a family. So it's so incredible. The Institute has these programs. And of course, you know, everything has been birthed out of, again, a organic need. For instance, years ago, I got called from an elder elder state attorney uh, organization and they said, look, you have to help us. I said, what can we do? They said, we have in our estate planning, we have the, the advanced directive, but we don't know what we're talking about. We don't know the terminologies. It's not just a check a box. Can you come in and can you work on that with us, with our families? Sure. But then it made a lot of sense that, you know what, there's a whole, a good end of life is really addressing it way back here. First of all, acknowledging that end of life will one day a part of our journey so that we appreciate things differently and have that awareness, but also without being faced with crisis or an illness to think really thoroughly, what is quality of life to me? Where would I want to age? What would I need to put in place to make that happen. And so our doula giver care consultants, you know, we just have a whole bunch of different programs that I think really fill in the shift of this whole elder end of life space as a culture to have it go well. And hopefully we'll catch up with, you know, that. And one day we can say, look, we're really here in a very healthy relationship with this end of life and aging space. Well, talk to me. I mean, who takes your class? You know, I know my friend is taking uh, your class, but I mean, I've heard that even, you know, hospice nurses are becoming end of life doulas and, and then caregivers are becoming end of life doulas and you don't even have to move it into a practice. Just the, the knowledge that you're providing people to care for their loved ones on this transition is just mind blowing in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, thank you for sharing that. So I, we have, literally people from every direction. What I do think is such a compliment again, is when we get hospice nurses who take the training and say how much they've learned and because that's such an honor. Um, but we have, you know, people will say, what qualifications do I need to take your course? And I say, you need two things. You need to, you know, really want to do this and have an open heart and a calling and, you know, the, the integrity, you know, the, that, again, is is something that's so incredibly important to the practice, then I'll teach you everything you need to know. So if you have that, show up and honor that. Because I often tell the story about my journey to hospice, because people would say, oh, well, you, you you must have had so much death in your life or an experience with that to have you go there. And, you know, it was very interesting. The first interview when I really looked at it, and I'm like, oh, goodness, nothing. (laughs) <laughs> not a, not not a one. I said so. I had one. I had one patient as a nurse in 
in med surge and she, she didn't, she wasn't even awake. And I knew she was going to, I had this, I knew she was going to die. I, you know, and I really felt connected and it really, I have to tell you something. It really broke my heart when I would see elderly in the hospital and people die without anyone coming to visit. And I, without judgment, just really was confused. So I, and I I kept being called hospice Mm -hmm. and with, with my knowing and the, uh, the minute that I they got in there and it wasn't easy actually, but the minute that I got into there, the first day that I went out to see a patient, I said, Oh, I am in the exact place I'm supposed to be in, in life. It was like a piece of the puzzle fitting. So I always will teach people to honor your calling, your intuition. Um, it will always lead you on that path. I mean, that's just like life skills, but we don't tend to do that. We don't tend to do that. So yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree. And you know, it doesn't, even though I'm not working for hospice, I do love it, but there, there's a lot of things because of being part of that Medicare reimbursement yes. Yes. that prohibit us, even the clinicians to be completely um, there for the patient and family and meet them where they're at. And this is where I think the doulas come in and really feel, fill that gap. Yeah. And it, I think, it, I think doulas, are, are making me fall back in love with the Dame Cicely Saunders hospice. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, love this so much. So you're absolutely correct. And when we had the Death Doula Global Summit, we had Barbara Carnes in there. We have Karen, Dr. Karen Wyatt in there. They both spoke of the time that when this, when hospice started, it was like death doulas. It was with the time as the medicine. It was with the presence, meeting people. And we just don't have that today. And when Everything started to get regulated. It chopped it all up and it took it, it took away the very core, what makes it so incredibly beautiful and powerful. And again, that's our presence with one another. It's nobody's fault. Everyone wants to do a great job. In fact, I think that we have to really own up to the fact that what kind of stress and pressure doctors, nurses, and all healthcare practitioners are under because they walked into this area of care to be of service and to give, and they are bound by really difficult restrictions and having to see so many patients and so much documentation that I really think that we all have to understand that we have to walk forward together in this and be really kind to one another. Yeah. I, t- I tell you that physicians and nurses, they didn't sign up for this either. No. And, and they, and they have to, I mean, I just remember Jessica Zeter, um, saying, you know, she, she had to go against all her physician medical school training to be at the bedside with the dying. And that's why her book is extreme measures. And when a, when a physician says that, you know, that they're struggling uh, just like everyone else. And, and to the point that I've even seen the side of clinicians just carry this burden because families haven't talked and they know what they're doing is harming the patient, but the family wants it. And it, it's a, it's a fine line. And I do agree with you. We're all in this together and it is to serve people, whether they're going to come into the hospital and go home or they're in the, the transition of end of life. So, yeah, but you know, I, you know, hospice has been through a lot with this Medicare reimbursement. And yeah. uh, and I hear on the streets, you know, whispers of end-of-life doulas becoming part of this Medicare benefit. Mm-hmm. And I have my thoughts about that, but <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Okay. So, you know, it, good news, bad news, right? We always say, what are the pros and cons of everything? And for me, 
the way that the doula is so instrumental in this beautiful service and care is because they don't have a time limitation on them. If it becomes a licensure or in under the reimbursement and is chopped down into everything else that is based in that space, it'll become of no value. There is no point. So for me, unless you can figure out a way, which I do not see at this point with it being reimbursed, it should not. And it will take away the very reason of why it is so um, valuable and does so much within the work and the scope of practice that we've developed. So I, I love that. I, yeah. I don't support it either. But talk to me, how, how are doulas making a living? Um, how are they productive? Because, you know, I mean, you can only give a certain amount. We live in a capitalist, you know, country. Yeah. You know, you've got to pay your bills. I mean, how are doulas paid for? And I'm, I'm sure there's like the gamut from A to Z of how different programs and different individual doulas are structuring their practice. Sure. So, I mean, for me, I'm very honest with when I have a student that comes and and talking about what it looks like on the the side of actually working, what you're going to be making and, and the reality of that. And one of the things that I try to do with my doula givers program is set it up with putting everything into it that I wanted as a hospice nurse or as a medical professional. So one of the things is again, burnout and, you know, letting yourself spread too thin. End of life is one of the hardest places I've ever worked in. It's also one of the most rewarding places. So if you were an end of life doula wanting to make a full-time income, first of all, I think that's very hard to, to benchmark engage just because your end of life patients, the, the whole goal of the doula is to walk through that entire journey and guide that family through that end of life. So you're not taking on multiple patients in one time because you can't be multiple places. So your patients are going to come and go. You might work with a family and they tend to want you there more as that patient declines. Um, and then you might not have a patient for a while. So how does that work as a full-time income? The other thing is, you know, setting it up as a business model. So I teach people, we have a whole business and marketing uh, section to the training, which is great because we have to get people out there and that's not always intuitive to doulas. So we kind of put that all together for you, but it's really going to be gauged on the location in which you live. So if you live in a place like New York city, I mean, of course, right now we're going through a very unprecedented time in our lives, but in a normal picture, you're going to um, gauge again, what is a market price for the services you offer higher in urban areas, less in rural, but for me, being very honest, if you are called to this space and want to do this work, you really want to do bring in advanced care planning consulting pieces. Because for me, it's very selfish in a sense that I know that the families that have had the best end of lives were the ones, and there weren't many, that had their advanced directives done <laughs> and had somewhat of a plan and a family conversation so that when the time came, they were all like, okay, this is really hard, but... We've already talked about this. We knew this day would come and we have a blueprint of what to follow. And so it even goes beyond that because we have 20% of our um, aging population have don't have their own children. So mm. now you're looking at what is the reality of where people can actually live. So the consulting piece of, of the what I call the doula giver specialist, you can work with people who are well. And that is actually a huge part of the time that you should be addressing these issues, not at the very end. So, and then of course I have an elder care division. So I'm allowing us to, again, bring the awareness back that 
we really haven't done the right thing by our elders. And I'm not, I'm not judging people. I'm just saying we've lost our way and it's time to bring it back. So these beautiful, incredible people that are full of wisdom and stories, you know, it's time to holistically care for them once again. So if you have the doula giver specialist, you can do consulting work. You can work with your elders and then you have the end of life doula training as well. So you have three offerings and the doulas are doing quite well with that when they want to do a full-time income. Now, have you experienced that some hospice programs are incorporating doulas, paid doulas within their programs? I do. And I think it's fantastic that everyone is open and I will tell you what happened. It's very interesting. The, if we, we go back to the, and again, no judgment here, but when you go back to the very beginning about me knocking on doors and, you know, pitching this to the heads of hospitals right. and medical centers, which I absolutely love because I remember telling my, my uh, fellow nurses that I was going to knock on this person's door and they said, are you crazy? Like he doesn't talk to anyone. <laughs> like in that day. Anyway, it was great. However, you know, a few years after that knocking on the big medical center's door and having them confirm that, yeah, it's a great idea, but we couldn't do it. They actually paid for me to come back and do a huge community doula giver training for, and I'll tell you why, because the people were talking. So because I went out into the communities and said, let me just give you these skills. It'll make all the difference when you get there. I love that hospices are hearing that positive feedback. And because I think they want to be, and a lot of them are, they want to be as progressive in supporting their families as possible. Again, it has to be where you have a doula, whatever capacity is not held to the restriction on only being able to be there for 45 minutes or an hour and having a bunch of patients to see. I, I, I hear you on that. And you know, when you have a, a hospice nurse working a, a full 10 hour day and then on the way home gets a, a call that one of her patients is actively dying, yeah. it would be great to send a doula to give yeah. her that work-life balance, but yeah. also not abandon that family Absolutely. or send, or send a nurse that's been working for 10 hours. Absolutely. Right. Because, you know, the inside of the reality of the medical system is there are so many incredible people and they are literally killing themselves to, tr to try and keep up you guys. And I see people get sick all the time and COVID is one of the things that we're, and I don't even think that people know how intense it is on the inside and the same thing with end of life. So I absolutely love that image. And, um, yeah, the, when I, when I created this, the reason that I created the way the model that I use and the model that I use is having doulas really be independent practitioners. Why? And that's how we really teach and set you up because when I was with hospice and even in Sloan Kettering in New York, talking to some of the staff is that they would have a list of what they call, um, home health aides that they, that are not employees, but that they heard. So they removed the liability. They heard from other families that they really did well with end of life. And so they would give this list to people that were being discharged and just say, just in case you're looking, we've heard, but they're not employed. This is my goal and this is my vision and still is for the doulas in that community to be the adjunct support, literally almost just a referral from that hospice because it helps the hospice and it helps the families. And then there's no issue with, well, you have to see this many people and, and, you know, do this kind of documentation. It's, it's pretty neat because for me to be able to say that I can stay with this family as long as they need me during this moment, because you know, it doesn't work like on Friday at five o'clock. No, of course open. not. It's like no, Friday, no. it's eight 30. <laughs> well, right. And we don't want to, 
Yes. And we don't want to drop that moment. It's like the birthing of the baby. You don't want to, you don't want to walk. And I know that every time I walked out of the family house, the stress would go up mm-hmm. and I'm leaving these people who are not, it's just not, it's, it shouldn't be this way and it doesn't have to be this way. So doulas can be there in that space. I love it. So, I mean, talk to me, you, I've heard a couple of, you know, goals and dreams of how you want to see end of life doulas improve end of life for patients and families and, and even staff and other staff. But tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, what, what, what are your hopes, um, after your students get trained, what, what are your hopes for them and, and how they're going to impact this end of life field that we so much love? Okay. Great question. So I love a win, win, win situation if possible. <laughs> And one of <laughs> me the, too. Yeah, right. Okay. So one, of, one of the things it has always broken my heart that there's so much pain and suffering at end of life that doesn't need to be a part of that space. And it is right now because we've literally removed it from our awareness. And with that, when it shows up and it, you know, it could be somebody who's 98. It is a crisis. It's a fight or flight for everyone involved. So one of the things that I have always done, and I think that is magical in what it offers is education, right? So community support and education. So when my doulas graduate, they're given a whole marketing and business section. And in the marketing is, you know, it's seminar series. It's showing them how to, how to give a community um, support group or a community um, doula givers discussion on death and dying series. So once a month, show up at the library or wherever you want to in that space, invite your community to come out, get some information about hospice, about advanced directives, about just conversation. What have we learned from end of life? Because, I, and I want people to really hear this, 80 to 90% end of life can go better. And I've, and I've seen this because I've, this is benchmarked this by two things. Number one is by having the advanced directive done and having a family conversation. And number two is understanding the basic uh, skills of what it is to care for somebody at end of life. Those two things, if families had those two things by 80 to 90, no matter what the disease process was, it went better. So isn't that something worth fighting for? Because a hundred percent, we're all going to be part of this. And yeah. yeah. So, so having them go out in their communities and offer free trainings and free, you know, support, and then letting them know that there's doulas that can help and there's hospice that can help. Because if we don't talk about it, people don't know what's available and what's not and how it yeah. works. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting every time I, I tell people, you know, sort of what I have been doing in my life and what I am doing now. And, you know, just hearing your passion and your voice right now, you know, people are like, how do you do that? And I'm just like, because I'm on fire when it comes to radically changing how people face end of life. And it really is giving them the tools to figure out how they want to die. And when they do that, they really figure out how to live. And, and. I hear you. I hear your excitement. And you know how weird it is to be around a dinner table and be like, let's talk about death. But I love that I have colleagues like you in this field that are just on fire about changing the the normal or the fear and and that paralyzing um, unknown. And I believe that not only are you changing how doulas are impacting end of life, but you're also changing how your doulas will face their own end of life just by the mere education that you're giving them. Um, And I I just think you're awesome. 
Well, I think you're awesome too. And I really appreciate that. Uh, You know, end of life can teach us everything about life. So one of the things I often say is when we're talking about death, we're talking about life. They're not exclusive of one another. But the other thing is like beyond the veil, right? So right now we really don't have a lot of people who've seen end of life, even advanced aging. So for it to be and it's and death is the second leading, except for now, I think it's number one fear in the world, um, especially in the United States. But does it need to be? In my opinion, it can teach us everything about meeting each other with kindness and compassion and how we're or similar. And also, what about the beauty of, I tell my doulas, what about if we lived each day like its own little lifetime? Because we're not guaranteed the next day. So what if you just had a few pillars like gratitude and service and, you know, no judgment. And we walk through our day with that, you know, and my, some mindfulness. And that's what death teaches you. That's what it teaches you. And that is a priceless lesson. Absolutely. Mm. I I mean, dying patients have been my greatest teachers Mm, and about life. Yep. About life. Now I'm hoping that this podcast is reaching people that are on the edge of like, man, I didn't know what a death doula was. How do I get involved? Talk to me how... Uh, individual with a heart of passion for yeah. and a calling for this work, how do they get involved with your institute? Okay, thank you. So again, I like a win-win. So what we do every month is I come on and do a live teaching. And it's really, again, going to give families these skills on how to care for their loved ones at end of life. But it's also a great introduction for those doulas who want to pursue this as a profession. Come see how it works. Get to know me. Ask me some questions get that feel. And so every month, doulagivers.com, you can register. We offer a free training. I also do this in person when we're able, and I do it in other countries as well, because we help to build support, community support that they can care for each other um, because we're all connected. So, but every month somebody can come. And I think that's one of the best ways because I want people to really come on and be invested before they make that full decision. And also, yeah. And also the other thing, there are wonderful trainings out there, different teachers. I think that this is the best advice is to, and they're very different in curriculum, all with great intention and space. A lot of it usually is related to who's teaching it based on their background. So you want to do your homework and you want to find out what the curriculum is and make sure that you like the teacher, you're going to be listening to them. And then follow your heart to do it. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that I think we've always learned from end of life patients is the decision on how you spend your time and who you spend it with is the greatest decision you will ever make in your life. So if you have a calling and a passion to do something, because it's not a refillable commodity. So how, if you are called to a space, whatever that is, if it's doula or anything else, I give you all of this wisdom from them to please follow that because that's where you reach your fulfillment alignment in life. And I feel like that's the whole goal to the journey. So I, just I love that advice. Hey. I love that advice. Now hey. tell me what's, what's your website? It is doulagivers.com. Doulagivers is one word.com. And that's where they, people can sign up. Is, is it Facebook where you do this free training or is it on your website? It's, it's actually on GoToWebinar. So they would sign oh. up on, I do a lot of trainings all over the place. So I do, I do life cafes on Zoom three times a week for community. 
you know, during, during the shutdown, we said, how do we show up to bring people together? And we put together the Higher Institute of Doula Givers with what's called Life Cafe. And there's one tonight and there's there are three times a week where this community from all over comes together and just shows up in presence, in kindness. There's doulas, they're family members. So, so that's on Doula Givers Institute for Higher Learning. And you can come right in on that. And then, of course, we have active Facebook pages um, to see where we can really reach each other, you know, on whatever platform people are comfortable with. We want to be. Well, and you, you also did like a, a special Thanksgiving thing for people yeah. to. I love that. That that just is, yeah. you know, right now in quarantine, yes. you know, it's so yes. important. Yes. And it was beautiful. I, can I just share with you that we had. Please. We had 91 people signed up for that. And we were serenaded by tree frogs in Africa in real time because the woman on there, she was, it, it was nighttime and you could hear these frogs and it was so beautiful. So again, we want to, and that, and, and we're doing the same thing for Christmas because we oh, want, are? yes, yes. And yes, we want, we want to show up for each other, right? You know that we're going to get through this. I, I know that we're going to get through this. It's, it's really how we get through it and how do we show up at this very moment that is so challenging and painful. And we're just trying to follow our intuition and do whatever we can to create community and platforms for that. So oh, yes, I love it. Christmas. You're yeah. a badass with oh. a, a talented gift and a great institute for, for helping doulas come into this uh, end of life field. You're, you're changing lives, kid. And, and I really do appreciate um, you coming on to this podcast and sharing your experience and why you're doing this. And and I'm pleased if you're interested in becoming a death doula, check out Suzanne's program because, I mean, I have personal friends that are saying that she is the bomb. And um, and I really do support your work and what you do and, and thank you for who you are. Well, thank you and right back to you. We are, you know, it's a global community and family and thank you so much for all that you're doing. Amazing. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer. This podcast is produced by Jason Andre with Seven Season Films. If you're interested in telling your story via podcast, look him up. You can find him at sevenseasonfilms.com.